You're listening to Messages of Infinite Light with Ain Kate Sullivan and Mira by Davy, the show that helps us discover the truth of who we are and imagines where we are going as masterful creators. Welcome and blessings. This is Ain Kate Sullivan, co-host of Messages of Infinite Light with Mira by Davy. So we've come together to record uh, some podcasts and share the light of friendship and the beautiful spiritual retreat in nature. And now we're finishing up and we're just sort of talking about how this time has been together and what it was like to be in Samadhi and to bottle feed the kitten and to clean the litter box, like all at the same time. It was life <laughs> happening, wasn't it? <laughs> so, okay. So on this podcast, we invite you to explore solutions for an evolving humanity. And today in this episode, we thought it'd be fun just to wrap up our time together here. And we've been laughing and having a great time and just being in this sort of spiritual vibration. And we thought we'd focus on wacky, wondrous things, you know, <laughs> just like have a hoot with the spiritual path. What do you think? Fun. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> okay. So, so we thought we'd, we'd go through, you know, some of the things we've seen over the years and all of our, our, our the places we've gone to, such as Findhorn, we've hung out with different saints. Actually, oddly enough, many of the same places and people we've we've gathered in the same places. So this could be a fun dialogue. It's not really prepared. It's going to be spontaneous. And I think we'll have a good laugh. So and and you might hear you might just hear if you just stay tuned, you might just hear about some miracles. So if you want to find out more about Mirabai Devi, go to MirabaiDevi.org. And a power of love forward slash store. So that's two different websites. One is mirabydavy.org. The other website is a power of love forward slash store. Okay. And you can find me on ankatesullivan.com. And speaking of wacky, wondrous things, I'm getting ready to launch something called Imaginosophy, which is definitely wacky and wondrous. I'll tell you more about it later. Okay. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Hello, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Director of Superpower Experts. If you're ready to activate your superpowers and turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, go to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Messages of Infinite Light. This is co-host Ann Kate Sullivan and Mirabai Davy. And we're going to talk about wacky, wondrous things. So... Now, if you want to go back and ex- and explore our many episodes, many, many spiritual topics, you could just enjoy, you could listen to them all night and just get transmissions from them. You can go to superpowerexperts.com slash power up slash messages of infinite light, and you can find all sorts of things to just light up your heart. So now we could start just about anywhere probably, but... Yeah, I was thinking about uh, the beginning of the New Age movement. I mean, here we were, I think I know I was really into the idea of New Age and and the Golden Age and how it was going to arise and how it was going to come about. And the hotbed of that was really the Fentorn Foundation. And the um, they published my first book, which was called Consider This. Launch, and this is like 1991, I believe they published it, or 93, something like that. Anyway, the, Fentorn, the Fentorn Foundation, for people who don't know about it, is in Scotland. And it's a place where um, the people there work very consciously with the devas and the nature spirits. So, and it- listening to the inner voice, because it was coupled, um, it was two couples that founded the Findhorn Foundation, uh, Peter and Eileen Caddy, and uh, Dorothy McLean and her husband. And Dorothy McLean and her husband were key instrumental in teaching people how to work with the angelic and devic realms and how to communicate and co-create with the nature spirits and how to create giant vegetables. And they were famous for these giant cabbages that were almost the size of the top of this chair. And people came from all over all over the world to see these giant vegetables. Whereas Eileen Caddy was in her caravan teaching people about how to listen to the still small voice of God within. And that work uh, centered around uh, the sanctuary 
and going into the silence mm-hmm. and actually having a list of questions to ask your inner voice. And that teaching was something that I took to South Africa and started the Findhorn Foundation um, work in South Africa and became the coordinator for the foundation in South Africa and was teaching the inner listening program and have been teaching it since 1990, uh, since 1995. Wow. That's so beautiful. You know, I still get her newsletter. I still get the small, the still voice within, I believe it's called. And, and uh, it just lifts my heart every time I hear it. And I often go to sleep at night, listening to an audiobook that she, that she has done. Yeah. And yeah. lots of Eileen Caddy's books, yeah. uh, her, mm-hmm. her meditation books and mm-hmm. coffee table books are wonderful to have in your collection. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful, you know, just to think about it for a minute. It's like, you know, I, at the time, you know, when I sort of became involved loosely with, with Fendhorn, not as, not as intimately as you, but just the idea, just the idea that, Oh, it's not all about the external world. There's actually, it's about the internal world, about listening to my own guides, my own voice, that they, that I have guides, even that concept, right? That I have a guide that I can trust. I have actually several guides I can trust. And how do I develop this? And that I can work in harmony with the Davis and the and the angelic kingdoms. It it just opened up these realms upon realms for me at the time, you know. Yeah, I yeah. think for all of us, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was just going to say that um, it's exactly the same thing for me. Mm. Um, I was having spiritual experiences from the age of sixteen or seventeen actively, and um, and Findhorn really concentrated it in nineteen ninety one, where the work of Eileen Caddy actually. Um, like you said, it's 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 not it's taking the generalized knowledge uh, of higher states of consciousness and access to God within to an actual practice uh, and honing in on receiving that direct guidance. And then I jumped in and forged my life path to be based on that knowledge. So every thing that I did from Eileen's teachings in 1991 was to implicitly only follow the direct voice of guidance, no matter what it was. And of course you have to purify the mind because if sure. the mind was toxic, mm. you could imagine that horrible things could happen if people were operating from the ego a or, voice, the, or the inner critic or, or, or a toxic uh, version of the mind. Right. Mm, mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one would have to do that from a place. So, so of course this, um, levels of tapasya that would happen and take place. Tapasya means the burning, the purification, the fire mm-hmm. to, to reach that pristine state of clarity um, to listen to the inner voice. But then that led me on the rest of my future path, which was living from that explicit direct guidance, not changing the words, mm. but communicating exactly what you hear as you hear it mm-hmm. and going all over the world. Mm meeting mystics from every tradition, all kinds of adventures. Right. Wacky, wondrous things. And wacky, <laughs> wondrous things from following that inner voice that you right. would never have followed if you if I'd stayed home in South Africa and continued my path in Johannesburg. Now, I went to see Mother Mira in Germany at one point. And this is when I had to say I was pretty ego-identified. I was really working hard being a professor. <laughs> And I would go see Mother Mira. And I go in, and and this was a totally new experience. I go in, and you can't wear your shoes, and you're supposed to have white on, and you're supposed to sit in silence, all these people sitting in silence. And of course, the first thing that happens, talk about the samskaras, right? Just all the negativity comes up. And I'm thinking, oh, these people are crazy. I've got to get out of here. This is terrible. I tried to run out. And someone said, no, 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 you go, need to go to Mother Mirror and have a darshan. So good thing I was brave, right? So I turn around, I'm like, okay, bring it on, you know, give it to him, bring on this darshan. Let's see what happens. So she gazes into my eyes. I felt this golden light come out of her totally burn all the way down my spine. Suddenly, boom, first time I experienced samadhi, which lasted for three days. <laughs> Couldn't come out of it, actually. They had, to, they had to take me on bumper cars to bring me out of this experience. But you know, having had a taste of that nectar, that ambrosia of the Divine Mother, I didn't want anything else. 
I just wanted to be with Divine Mother. I just wanted to have a taste of this. Who can go back to the material world after feeling this fullness? You go back into the material world, it's, oh, it's empty. Everything seems empty. So did you have an experience with Mother Mira? Yeah. Well, in 1993, um, I was back in South Africa, and I just finished traveling for two years, um, meeting spiritual teachers and priests and monks and nuns and uh, contemporary teachers, Western teachers all over Europe, the UK, and um, India. And that led me back home to South Africa, where then I discovered Mother Mira. And so I made a pilgrimage out to go see her. And I proceeded to go every year for 10 years. And I went at least twice a year, most years. Mm -hmm. And during that time, that's where I really honed in on and developed my samadhi. And um, by the end of the 10 years, I had an experience where I started to see that everybody who was sitting in front of Mother Mira receiving darshan as she touches the sides of the head and looks into your eyes, I would see her unwrapping these layers around people like packages and then leaving only the inner essence of who they really were of the soul and then giving them that opportunity to awaken. And, uh, it was the most remarkable thing to see that the samadhi that I was going into every year, twice a year, mm. which then I learned to develop year round, mm -hmm. was something that I could actually watch what she was doing and how she was doing it to people in their spine and in their nervous system. And the other thing I loved about Mother Mira was that she wasn't caught up with um, the movie. She mm -hmm. would see the movie as the movie and it wasn't real for mm -hmm, her mm -hmm. and that she was seeing beyond the play beyond the drama so she was not in reaction to anything she wasn't able to um take it all so seriously she has an incredible sense of humor and i got very very close to her and the people in her organization and i became very involved there for 10 years that's amazing. It's a huge chapter of my life. That is amazing that you spent that long with her. I mean, and just to have that that experience of understanding that you're not your story. I mean, how many how many people get? I hope many, many, many people are now having that experience because we're not our story. That's the truth of it. Yeah. And we 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 take ourselves to be some sort of distortion, some sort of actually lie, really. When when actually we are this greater reality, we are this this uh, we are the happiness and the love. We are this is the truth. The light beings that we are. We are light beings. We are light bodies. We're and actually incarnations of the divine. Yes. Incarnations of divine love. We're gods and goddesses in cloaks, hiding, mm. pretending mm. to be these human embodiments. I guess forgotten who we are. But many are waking up now. Hmm? I think so. Throwing yeah. off the cloaks and, yeah. and remembering. And, you know, I think in that age, that was the age of going to the guru to have that experience. I'm, I That might be done now. I think that might be over. We're in a new phase now where this is happening within each of us. Because it's time for us to be responsible to grow up and to... Uh, you know, to to work our own process, to learn how to work our own process, to learn how to stay in our clarity and our light so that we can be in relationship and in community. Mm -hmm. So so we've got a new, we've got a new tall order right now. Mm -hmm. I think we can master it. But it does, it does. It's a quite a quite a work because you throw off the cloak and then it sort of magically comes back on. <laughs> you throw it off, it comes back on again. Changes colors, but still comes back on. Like, hang on a second. <laughs> right. Well, they say that until you burn all the seeds of your karmas, mm. samadhi back into the samskara. Right. Samadhi back into the samskara. And that's what we're doing, right? We're burning those seeds those karmic seeds that we've brought back with us. And just when we think it's over, it ain't over. <laughs> Not another piece. No. Oh, I thought I was done. Really? And then there's more. <laughs> and it can get harder, even especially after the bliss states. I mean, mm -hmm. you experienced that the other night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And we're just Samadhi and we come out and there's our, our packages waiting there for us. I tell you, I, I had an amazing experience of Samadhi. It went on for about 24 hours. When I came out, I felt like my heart was breaking and breaking and breaking. I'm like, I can't stand this. And then it got to the point that I was like, oh, but it needs to happen. It needs to happen because these were all the places where I've told some kind of story about um, a breakup of a relationship or something that happened where I felt betrayed or belittled or missed or judged or whatever, right? That goes on and on and on. So the stories that my that my uh, ego has held on to, they had to break one after the other. So then, you know, so you get to this point where it's like, let's celebrate the breaking open, even though it's painful. <laughs> well, the Sufis say that unless the heart is broken, the, the vessel, the clay pot, mm. it cannot fully receive the light of God mm-hmm. and the heart has to break. Yeah. So if you think about it, we're so, I guess, self-sufficient without God, we're trained to be, you know, little gods in our culture. The ego has to be the giant. And so mm-hmm. life has to break the clay pot to let the light of God lead and guide and direct and come through through our vulnerability and through our heartbreak and through our pain and Mm. through our gripping we're forced to surrender and then we're on our knees right it's like who's in control now (laughs) (laughs) well I know how helpless I'm feeling right now. So, <laughs> and helpless so the, like a kitten, <laughs> like a little kitten, right? Vulnerable. Oh, you feel so vulnerable. So, so, um, you yeah. know, and then I start thinking of all the people who broke my heart and I have to go, oh, they were amazing teachers. You know, my right. ex-husband, amazing. Thank you. You have to go hug them and kiss them. <laughs> Thank you. Gratitude. <laughs> Total gratitude for these these events that seemed terrible at the time. And then you go, no, this was actually part of my life. This is part of my path. This is, this is fantastic. Uh, (laughs) And I suppose we can always celebrate finding another piece too. So part of, of understanding that uh, I am not my story, even though I can get hooked in it sometimes, but understanding that I'm not my story happened with Orisoma. So there's, there's something in uh, it's quite popular in the UK, uh, there's a place called Devora. And I went up right, right as Vicki Wall, the founder of Vicki Wall, she was just uh, starting to cross over and Mike Booth uh, was coming on, on board, taking over at the time. And um, wacky, wondrous thing. Okay. I went to whole, whole Life Expo, or it was some version of that in the UK. I can't remember. Some, some version, some expo. Anyway, I was there and there was Mike Booth was there, and I'm looking at all these beautiful dual colors. So they're in bottles and they're like red and gray. They're very bright colors. They're very beautiful. Spun around, looked at them, and I had a reading from Mike Booth, who at the time said, Oh, you're one of the Cathars <laughs> originally in a scene. I'm like, Ooh, so what is he talking about? So this was that was a little hint, something to explore. So so anyway, he gives me this bottle, which is blue over deep magenta. It's called physical rescue. He, he, I take it back with me, put it beside my bed. And I'm like, this is the wackiest, most wonderful thing I've seen in a long time. It's definitely wacky. Leave it there. In the morning, it's changed colors. It's now clear over blue, which is strange. How does a, how does a bottle of color turn? Anyway, clear. clear. How does it turn clear? Who knows? But these bottles did do things like that. So I'm looking at it and my name has has appeared in it in bubbles, A-Y-N, in bubbles. And um, <laughs> so I thought, well, this is this is interesting. How does the how does the bottle know my name? It's <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So I called Mike Booth and I told him, and he goes, Oh, you've been called. So uh so I actually went up and I spent a good part of 10 years up there mm-hmm. learning the colors and what I, this is Orosoma. Orosoma. Orosoma color therapeutics, which is still not happening so much in the U S now it did for a while now happening more in the UK. Mm-hmm. But what I, when I went up there, um, the colors to me, and they still act this way. They act as portals to the soul. 
And I would spend nights in these rooms where I would just go and sit, sit with the colors and gaze at them. And it seemed more important to do that than to actually listen to the teaching. I did both. I learned the teachings too, but, but the colors, I realized that the colors were speaking in the language of the soul and that they were singing, that there were these tones that would come with them. And depending on how we put these colors, what sort of order that they would go in, there would be a different story that was told. And so something about working with the colors allowed the more pain at the time, more painful personal history to dissolve and for the soul's true dialogue to begin to emerge. What was your experience with Orasama? Wow, that's incredible. Um, well, I fell in love with the colors too. Mm. And I studied the course in South Africa, actually. And I had all the bottles and also all the... Um, master what they call quintessences Mm -hmm. those were so incredibly powerful like lady nada Mm -hmm. and what were the different names elmoria valerian a lot of the yes the the ascended master the ascended masters that blavatsky and the theosophical society would speak about yes yeah quintessences Mm -hmm. and um I, i i have to say that um I'd love to reconnect with them again today. I haven't seen them around for a while. Some people have them, but it's more rare to find them. Mm. But um, they're very powerful. And um, I don't remember because it was such a long time ago. I don't remember how we did readings with them, but we did readings with the bottles. Mm -hmm. I did that for years. Mm, I did too. And taught all the classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, teach the classes, Mm -hmm. do readings with the bottles. So that that was also part of my history. Isn't that strange? We both did the same thing. I know. Well, this is yeah. interesting, the Fentorn, yeah. the Orasima, the, yeah. the mirror. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do TM with Maharishi. I did. did. Oh, there's another one. Okay, I did that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tell me. <laughs> well, um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was my family guru. And um, my mom took her five kids, including me, her youngest daughter, off to meditate uh, transcendental meditation when I was seven years old. Ooh. And so all of my brothers, all four older brothers and I learned to meditate and my mom still meditates transcendental meditation. Uh, all, well, I guess I was seven years old and now I'm 52. So since I was seven, she still meditates twice a day. Mm. And my youngest brother, um, Taddy Bletcher or Adam, Taddy, Adam, Paul Bletcher, mm. uh, went on to, not only to did we do all the meditation retreats together, um, the TM City program and the rounding and the yogic flying and the advanced uh, techniques, but then he went on and opened a transcendental meditation university college uh, for business or business entrepreneurs for young entrepreneurs Mm. and for the leaders of tomorrow. Mm. And that has multiplied into seven transcendental meditation universities. Wow. Now that he has in seven, uh, three in South Africa and the rest of them are in countries around the world. And, and now he's creating an education city in downtown Johannesburg based on the teachings of Maharshi Mahesh Yogi. So I'm a big supporter of the school. And the schools and the program. And the goal is to, um, to through education, to decrease crime and also to not only to decrease crime, but to decrease poverty. So the goal is to eliminate poverty in Africa through um, these entrepreneurial programs, which teach the kids to start their own businesses and then turn around and um, be able to support or pay for their entire village um, and their all of their family members once they've graduated college and they get into these top earning jobs. So this all was mentored by Maharshi Mahesh Yogi mm. uh, directly with my brother, Taddy oh, Adam Bletcher. They worked together for eight months every day mm. to create this. Mm. Uh, before Maharshi left his body, mm. um, they worked hand in glove and they came up with this beautiful um, solution, which started really with just Marshy mentoring uh, Tad, my brother, Taddy, um, with the school, but then it turned into uh, a far greater uh, project with Guru Dev's Grace, overlighting mm. it. Mm. And it is changing the country of South Africa, no doubt, and it will change the world. And again, if we can, you know, if you can see that 
he went into the schools and took transcendental meditation and got kids out of gangs that had guns and weapons and were on drugs and not going to school. And the school teachers were afraid to even come to the classrooms or to the school because the kids were loaded, Um, turned them into meditating angels with the top grades and got them to come to school. Then can you imagine what he could create with a university and then seven universities? So I'm a very firm supporter um, and uh, a strong believer in the power of transcendental meditation and Maharshi's mission and Gurudev's mission that comes behind that. And uh, I just, I just love, I love the rehabilitation work that meditation does on the day to day. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've seen all the studies with the, you know, how the, you know, if people are meditating in, in a city, how the crime rate will just drop. And it's been, it's pretty impressive. And they've, they've done these studies over and over and over again. It's pretty clear that it works. And, and Johannesburg was in the top 10 crime cities in the world. And after uh, Dr. Teddy Bletcher, my brother, and the Maharshi Institute School, which we used to be called CEDA, CEDA City Campus, worked together with the, um, the, the head of police and the CBD in the CBD, and they actually tracked with the police the crime rate um, decreasing and decreasing uh, through the group of however many thousand kids coming together to meditate twice a day. Mm. And they eventually discovered the crime rate went down so much that Johannesburg wasn't even in the top 40 in the world after the work they did. That's beautiful. Mm. That is really beautiful. Mm. I, yeah, I enjoy. I enjoyed my time. I didn't have. I didn't go nearly as in depth as you did, but I did have my mantra, and I did have one wacky, wonderful thing that I remember quite clearly with uh, Marishi and Guru Dev. I had at the time I had their pictures up on my wall, and I was writing. I was I'm always writing something, so I'm I'm writing, and and the pictures started to glow. And I thought, well, that's strange. Why are the pictures glowing? And I went over and I stood in front of the pictures. They were still glowing. And I felt light going out. And I felt a transmission of light going right into my heart. And and then it just stopped. And and I I went and sat back down. I thought, you know, something must have happened. Uh, So I called my friend, um, Steve Hospodar, who was was working at the Maharishi Institute. He goes, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Maharishi just left his body. (laughs) <laughs> I thought, oh, gosh, you know, what a lovely blessing mm. that he's giving his people. I just happened to be, I think, quiet enough and still enough to 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 notice the blessing that he was uh, that he was giving out as he left the body. Oh, how beautiful! Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So the the TM <clears throat> the TM Center. I was living in Pacific Palisades at the time, and the uh, the um, the TM Center was next to Yogananda Self-Realization Center. And I I really liked going there. First of all, I love Yogananda. And at the time, now you go sit in this temple that they've built. But at the time, it was this beautiful garden around the, it was called Lake Shrine. And you could walk, you could listen to the words of Yogananda. And, and as you walk around the lake, and it was the gardens were just fabulous, just magical gardens and I could I had my daughter at the time who was quite young I think she was in kindergarten so I could walk through the gardens with her listening to the voice of Yogananda and uh, then got involved with uh, later got involved with one of his monks named Norm Paulson who was part of the sunburst uh, community but um, and who then taught me Kriya Yoga, which which is a really powerful, very powerful practice to awaken the Kundalini, so to awaken the um, higher consciousness. So, have, have you had an experience with Yogananda? I have. I'm very close to Yogananda, and particularly close to Maha Avatara Babaji, uh, who is the great uh, avatar of the lineage, and um, I, I definitely um, when I started to go into samadhi uh which was which was the higher levels of samadhi um from 1993 to 2000 um inspired during my time in germany with mother mira and with amachi who at that time was traveling through the west in europe um that was when 
right in the beginning of 93 when I started going into those um, stages of samadhi. And Mahavatar Babaji started appearing to me in dreams mm. and in visions. And then when I would go into states of samadhi, he would overlight me and come and talk to me or jump into my body or appear through my face or take on over my form. And I started to merge more and more into um, Maha Avatar Babaji as my um, overlighting guru, overlighting deity. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've had visions of him with Sh- Lord Shiva and I've had visions of him with Sri Krishna and I, I feel very much that he has my back and guides me every step of the way and comes through a lot in my work. Yogananda really feels like my brother. He feels mm. like family. He feels like mm-hmm. he is part of my family, just like brother mm-hmm. and sister. Uh, that's how close I feel to him. So I have a wacky, wonderful Babaji story. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. okay. So uh, some years ago, I had a friend named Prima, and he also loved Orisoma. So I had the Oris. I think I was doing a, probably running an event at the house, uh, at his house. And um, over the colors, it was a picture of, of Babaji. And at the point, I hadn't really made a strong connection with Babaji, but I was looking at it. It seemed like he was changing from a man to a woman. He was going back and forth, man, woman, man, woman. And I'm looking at it. And Prima said, well, what's happening with the picture? And I said, well, it's, you know, he's becoming a woman. And he goes, well, that's Madaji. He goes from Babaji to yeah. Madaji. Bob, you know, so I'm like, oh, Babaji, Madaji. So I, so I, did the, I did the workshop and then I'm starting to put the bottles away. And then I can hear Babaji talking to me. And I'm really trying not to hear Babaji talking to me. because, <laughs> You know, again, wacky, wonderful things, right? So Prima says to me, is he talking to you? And I'm like, ah, yes. <laughs> because what is he asking you to do? He he wants to know if he can if he can do an overlight. And um and I said um, he goes well is that okay with you? I said I I think I want to give it a try. So we sat together and um and I felt actually when it came through it was a Madaji overlight and and he he took on this uh, Babaji overlight and we just sat together. And the amount of love that I felt in that moment, I mean, I, I wasn't sure it was about this guy, <laughs> you know, it was, it was blurred in this moment, but it was just like this tremendous amount of love that was coming through. And, um, and then anyway, it just kind of lifted off and that was, that was, that was it. But at, from then on, I've always felt that Babaji had my back, mm, right? Beautiful. And Madaji, mm. that they're, that they are these sweet high beings that can be called upon mm. um, when you need connection, when I need help with connection with the divine, that he, he's one of the masters, mm. one of the masters that I can call upon. Mm. Yeah. You know, the way that I would describe it is as avatar, avatar being a God incarnation you really are more, you know, everybody is an incarnation of God. It's just that some beings it's like they just step right out of the Godhead mm. into form mm-hmm. and they come to help uh, humanity at the highest level. And they're sort of like the master teachers. They're like the teachers of, of teachers. So, um, you know, Maha Avatar Babaji would be, you know, the one who initiates or trains or teaches the, the world masters. And um, the way that I see it is the world masters all sit in a circle as a council. And then the great, the great ones like Maha Avatar Babaji or Krishna or Shiva, or whatever, they um, overlight them and train them. And so, um, you know, being a direct incarnation means typically or usually can mean not having had a lot of human incarnations as, as a, in separation or as a human being. Typically they just come in for the purpose of world service and then take off. Now, someone at Maha Avatar Babaji's level, you know, can levitate, can fly. He travels around the Himalayas with his groups of disciples from place to place, takes on a form, dissolves a form, takes on a form, mm-hmm. dissolves a form. Mm-hmm. That's why people see him in so many different forms sometimes. But typically, he will appear as a long-haired youth. I know um, Yogananda described as copper-haired youth, but I usually see him with long, dark hair. Mm-hmm. 
and the very distinctive eyes and face. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there we go. There's another, another foundation stone that we share in common. Amazing. Yeah. Well, and I, Kriya Yoga, the true path. And I heard you uh, mention Amachi. Yes. So it was interesting about Amachi is like yeah, I'm having these spiritual experiences. And so I want to be around spiritual people. And I had uh, Catherine and then I had William. So I've got these two children and it's very hard in the Western world. I don't know about the East as much, probably difficult in the East too, for, for a woman to go in, into a temple if you have children. So the only the only saint uh, at the time that seemed really open was Ama Amache. So I would go uh, when she would come for her North America tour and just stay with her and go through. And my kids loved it. My son would dress up as Krishna and run around with bells on his ankles. <laughs> my daughter dressed up in all the different saris and things. And it was just. Um, I just, I loved the whole thing. I, I love working the darshan lines. I love just being with her when she gave prasad, which is like she's giving, um, she's giving so uh, infused food to people. But her hugs, uh, you know, when she would give these hugs, she, and there'd be in some places 10,000 people waiting for hugs. It was just, it was crazy. And she would go on all night or she'd go on for days and days and days and days. But she would take on the karma of this. She would just eat the karma of these people. And she would only, I mean, at that time, she, I don't think she, she never slept. I would be exhausted after about three days, but um, she would go into meditation for about an hour, clear off her, the energies that were on her. I think, remember, she'd freak out the doctors. Oh my God, oh my, you've got, you've got this and this and this and this, you've got all these diseases. And she'd go, oh, I should just clear it. So, um, that that was beautiful. And I do remember it was a wacky, wonderful thing. I was with her one time and and there was a um one of her, I think a doctor's was with her. It was a she was this uh, a Chinese, a Chinese doctor, and she was saying, I'm gonna need help. We have to do purple rain, purple rain, purple rain. So we all are imagining purple rain to just help clear the negativity in the room. So we're all imagining purple rain. Of course, it starts to rain, right? It absolutely starts to pour rain. I don't know if it was purple, but it was, but there was this, <laughs> you, you know, probably, probably was just regular rain, but it was, but you could feel with all of us focusing on this color that it was really helping us the energy of St. Germain. Also, Babaji comes violet in purple, flame. violet flame. So this violet flame energy was actually, so we were supporting her in, in helping uh, heal. And I noticed one of the things that I, that I noticed is a lot of people around her at that point started dancing. You were seeing people jump and dance and mm. jump and dance. And anyway, Sweet. your experience with, with Amma. Oh, many, many wonderful times with Amma. One, Amma helped me take my father to cross over when he passed over. Um, good timing. The day mm. he passed over, I was with Amma. And so we did that together. We crossed him over together. Mm. That was an incredible, uh, incredible celebration of life and the other wonderful opportunity was garlanding ama when i was given this Mm. blessing Mm -hmm. um a dear friend was working the darshan and managed to arrange for me to come in and garland ama and that was very very sweet and a beautiful direct recognition soul to soul of the divine mother energy and grace so yeah, those those are my the, the two main experiences that were the highlights for me. I have one other wacky, wonderful. Well, I don't know if it was wonderful. It was definitely wacky that I, uh, my my husband and I were married by Ama, which was beautiful, and we're still married eighteen years later. And um, I really feel her her love holding our our marriage. Um, but we were in a fire. We we lost our house in a fire in California. Mm. And I went to her and I was and I was dazed. I was dazed by what happened. And uh, it happened so fast. And she sees me, walks straight over to me and taps me on the head and goes, Amma gives you things, I'ma take things away, and just keeps walking. <laughs> you know, like, but there was this sense as she left of of like, I, I don't need to hang on to this. It's just true. Things come and things go. I don't need to be upset about this experience. I don't need to be upset by what happened. So it was actually, actually was a relief. Mm. So, uh, and then I think at that point without the house, we were, we were free to travel and, and um, go spend time, all kinds of other travels. 
uh, I, I needed to, like one of the healings was to walk on fire. I went to see Chris Griscom and walk on fire after that. Yes. <laughs> so that was fun. I studied with Chris Griscom. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. Another one. Okay. Yes. So tell me about Chris Griscom. You know, just very briefly, I just wanted to say, um, it's the, it's what you were talking about was the impermanence. Mm. And, um, I was just recently over in Pine Island, Florida. And with the victims of the hurricane mm. there and people had lost their houses. And I got to see, of course, as many of you in Florida and um, Texas and other places around the Southeast have, have experienced and seen, I got to see houses that went into the ocean, houses that were ripped out of the ground, houses with their roofs ripped off, the people had roofs flying in through their windows and things like that. And um and really the devastation and the trauma that people go through with these devastating cataclysms that are actually happening, you know, uh, all over the world, but very concentrated in the United States. Mm. And, uh, you know, we do, our survival and our security is linked into our home mm. and having a home burned down by fire or a flood or, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's a true cataclysm. And many were traumatized, you know, trapped in their homes or waiting on the roofs for the helicopters to come and rescue them for three days mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so these kinds of, I mean, these were pe actual people I met that told yes, me their yeah. stories mm -hmm. and I heard them story after story. Mm. So, so the, you know, it's very difficult uh, because of the trauma we experience uh, which is located in the lower three chakras in particular. Um, those lower three chakras really hold on and freeze in that trauma. And we hold on to the the pain and the, the memory of it. But when you talk about the impermanence mother gives and mother takes away, I mean, sometimes it's so hard to see why nature does what nature does mm -hmm. and how animals and humans suffer so much as a result and we also in turn cause nature to suffer so much mm -hmm. so the theory uh, of practicing impermanence is not an easy practice for us humans just to let go and surrender and to trust that easy come easy go it comes to us it gets taken from us it's like the tide of the sea you know in and out mm -hmm. in and out so i just wanted to mention that because of what you went through with the fire I mean, it was a big teaching. It was a big teaching. So I did walk on fire to make friends with the fire again. And th there was another thing that happened. And this is a talk about impermanence again, is that um, when I went up to look at the property with the insurance company, um, I had a, an allergic reaction to the, um, I guess what they had sprayed the property with. And I went blind temporarily. Thank goodness. Mm. Um, oh my goodness. But as I was driving down the hill, my I could feel my eyesight flickering off and I had to pull over. And and I think the, you know, these are the moments where you, I don't know, I didn't know if the eyesight was going to be permanently lost. I had been with Vicki Wall, who was actually blind, work with color, thank goodness. I had, and I just started chanting a mantra, my the mantra that that Ama had given me. I just started chanting. So I, I just pulled off the side of the road, was just chanting, trying not to go into a panic, just chanting. Couldn't call anyone because I couldn't see. Uh, couldn't so I just like I just have to stay here until the, until the next thing happens. And what was really interesting was I could really feel, I think, you know, when we, when we have spent time, you know, with these, these beautiful saints and sages, we've made these connections. I could feel these guides around me and they were so um, present and just cared for me in that moment. And then after about, it was maybe an hour, I guess, I don't know exactly, but my sight started coming back on again. And um, I, I realized, you know, at that point that it was really time to take my work to the next level, really went on a huge quest with the Essenes after that, actually. And I met somebody named Howard Wills about that time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I just want to say how absolutely terrifying that must have been. Mm. And thank goodness that it came back on mm. and the, the poison, right? The chemicals that they were spraying yeah. affected your eyesight. Yeah. Yeah, and that happened to me one time on an airplane when I was in South Carolina, and I just finished giving teachings in Charleston. As I go to Charleston every year, I have done for like 18 or 19 years, maybe sorry, more like 20 years. 
And I got on the airplane and my lungs started seizing up mm. from some poisons that they had sprayed mm-hmm. on the plane. And uh, I started to to sh- shut down and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get breath in. And all in a second, as I was going to push the button uh, to call the air hostess, I remembered my own light transmission. And I started transmitting light. And my lungs opened back up and I mm-hmm. could breathe. Mm-hmm. And by the time the air hostess got to me, are you okay? Are you okay? I said, I'm fine. And I could breathe. And I saw all these negative energies all over the airplane. Mm. They were all around the humans. Mm. And um, I, I could feel the negative force field. And I realized that it was the negative energies that were throughout the airplane that had shut down my lungs. And so after the light transmission, they cleared, they lifted up mm-hmm. and cleared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was so interesting because one of that was one of the times, I think, when you're when you're close to death, um, you see the other worlds more yep. clearly. Yep. And so I think people like you and I, being mystics, um, it's hard to gauge or tell sometimes what's physical and what's non-physical. So was it the pesticides on the plane that had been sprayed? Or was it the negative energies that were throughout the airplane around the humans? Maybe both. Right. Yeah. So anyway, the light transmission cleared it. And I've also had incredible experiences on a regular basis of giving light transmission when there's heavy, heavy turbulence and the airplane's bumping all over the place Mm -hmm. and falling Mm -hmm. and people are screaming and drinks are flying. Start a light transmission and it stops within 30 seconds every single time. So I just want to say I'm so incredibly grateful for the grace of the divine light because I know that it saved my life so many, many times. Mm-hmm. And I've witnessed uh, so many hundreds of thousands of people having miraculous healings through the light transmissions mm-hmm. and the grace of the divine light. Sure, And it turns reality on its head. Mm-hmm. It just flips reality from something that can be really frightening or really negative to um a peaceful solution. So um, I have such incredible faith um, and trust after seeing this and witnessing this. And, and it reminds me that we all need to, to know that we are so held and so loved and that yeah. the light has got our back and that we just have to let go and allow the divine. And I think it's through the grace for you and I of spending, you know, for me, 10 years with Mother Mira and and some time with Amma, not as much as Mother Mira, but some time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the training at the Findhorn Foundation and mm-hmm. starting meditation with Maharshi Mahesh Yogi at seven years old in the transcendental meditation tradition. And then the past lives of Samadhi coming in such a young age um, with Samadhi from you know just continuing on where i left off in other lifetimes that mm-hmm. have brought us to the ability to be you know teachers for others mm-hmm. in the field and and teach others how to uh meditate and pray and do spiritual practices and have faith and have trust and um and trust in the divine and be held by that mm-hmm. and um you know i know that it provides solace and peace and support for so many, many people around the planet. But yeah. anyway. and, it, and it's the time for the great awakening. You know, I think yeah. it's the time, you know, if there's a lot of turbulence, chaos in the planet, but how do we walk through it? We walk through it by just yeah. the things that we spoke about. You know, we yeah. you get to these uh, particular situations and you ask, like like Eileen Caddy from the very beginning, you ask for that still small voice within to come through you and to feel that guidance. And the minute you feel the guidance, you know exactly where to go and what to do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so that's really the practice I think everybody yeah. on the planet can do it. Sometimes we have negativity to clear out of the way. Sometimes yeah. you need help clearing that and some of that negativity yeah. out of the way. Yeah. But but basically every single person is a divine being having a human experience. So mm-hmm. this is something, this light inside mm-hmm. is available to all. Mm-hmm. And yet most have it hidden and buried mm. so deeply and all the fear and the worry and the anxiety and the anger and the some scars and the negative emotions mm-hmm. cover it, right? That's why we were talking yesterday about how important it is to to slough off all those negative emotions and get yeah. them out of your system and out of your being because they're what are underneath the cancers and the heart disease and the diabetes and the arthritis and the addictions is all that heavy, heavy emotional pain. 
you know, don't, don't hold on to it. You want to, yeah. you want to do some work to get it off, off of you. So yeah, no, a yelling meditation or something. Yeah, what, you know? what, what did you do? Didn't you do some work with Asha? And I did years ago um, when I, I was actually diagnosed with uh, stage one breast cancer in 2000. Mm. And, um, and this is kind of an interesting talk about a wacky thing. So they give me this diagnosis, tell me I have two years to live. And then, um, I decided to go do, uh, the Gearson diet, which I did. And I, but I knew intuitively that, um, my, the, the relationship that I it was in was wrong and that they, I had, I had put myself into a position that was negative and I needed to get out of it and I wasn't doing it. And this was creating this negativity in my body. So I didn't, <laughs> I'm a little hardcore, but I didn't, I didn't pay much attention to the advice around me. I decided I needed to clear this out of my body. So I, I went to India and did a dynamic meditation, the all meditation and, and, um, uh, basically did a yelling meditation for a good month or so came back and continue this yelling meditation. And then when I went in to see the consultant to see, uh, you know, how it was doing, cause I figured I need a checkup. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. <laughs> so you know like who knows angel right right i mean who who knows but what but what i came back with was um you know and i I know cancer is a very serious thing and and it kills people i mean it's just true you get a diagnosis and it and all of a sudden you're looking at mortality but but what i learned from that and i caught it you know i probably caught it i caught it very early but what uh what i learned from that is is cancer is negativity stored in the body and then it becomes increasingly physical if we don't release it somehow. And that's, again, when we bring this light through, when we connect with our true life purpose and mission, mm-hmm. when we really are doing what we're here meant, here, meant to do, mm-hmm. a lot of times, and, it, and you know, there's no cookie cutter. So you're like the most beautiful young, you know, we never know why things happen the way they happen. You know, it's just, I can't say that if everybody went and did that, they'd be fine. Maybe yes, maybe no. But in my own particular situation, that was the guidance. Go clear, go, go restore your eternal youth now by letting go of what's not you. Mm. Yeah. So that was powerful. And I think we can do that. We can remake ourselves. Mm. We can remake ourselves in the image of the divine at any moment. Mm. And it's a practice. It's a practice. It's a deep Mm. practice. And when it's our time to go, hey, we get to go home. Yeah. (laughs) that's right right yeah Yeah. i had one spiritual teacher that was like oh death that's the that's the best day of your life yeah (laughs) so you get to go home right that's right but meanwhile we want to live i think i'm I'm definitely into to living here and loving every moment here on earth yes embracing and loving ourselves yes embracing and loving others embracing and loving our service mission and being of service to others because we are here on a mission to help humanity and to help the earth. And uh, I think it would be good because I know we're coming to the end of our time, but I yeah. think it would be good to just touch very briefly on um, the years in the Sufi tradition. Mm. Um, I was introduced to a wonderful mystic called Rishad Field. Um, some people may know him. He was from um, – Rishad Field was uh, basically – hiding in Switzerland um, at a retreat center. He's a Sufi mystic that I had met at St. James Piccadilly in London when I was uh, 21 years old. And I was so inspired by his teachings and his mysticism that I traveled throughout Turkey. Um, And in those days, nobody was allowed to uh, be a Sufi in Turkey, Sufis were being suppressed and attacked heavily. So they were in hiding. And so I went throughout Turkey in the most difficult times and circumstances searching for Richard Field and the Sufis. And of course, um, I ended up in Holland. And when I was in Holland, I was I found right where I was staying at the time in Katveik on Z when I was living in Holland when I was 21. Um, I found a Sufi temple, and this was a temple of Hazrat Inayat Khan, and that led me to the Sufi temple in Johannesburg, I mean, sorry, in Cape Town, South Africa, and that led me to my Sufi teacher, um, Padmani, 
And that was in Johannesburg shortly after that in 1993 when I returned back to South Africa. And I studied with her and with them and in the uh, Sufi tradition of Hazrat Inayat Khan from 1993 on until I graduated as a Sufi minister. And um, I stayed in that tradition and I actually came to the United States on a Sufi visa Mm -hmm. as a Sufi minister. Oh, interesting. And that's how I, that's how I traveled into the U S when I ended up staying here for the first Mm -hmm. um, years before I became um, a green card holder was as a Sufi minister. And so there's many of you out there that are, uh, that are Hazrat Inayat Khan or uh, Pure Villa Khan uh, in those traditions. And um, there's many other wonderful Sufi traditions, of course, and you can share a little bit about mm-hmm. yours. But I was very inspired by that. And I still today am very inspired by the different Sufi traditions around the world. And um, I got to witness some incredible, incredible uh, whirling dervishes at Rishad Field School, as well as um, amazing um, experiences with the different Sufi traditions, but uh, you have some experience with the within the Sufi tradition too. Ain't, is I, that right? I do, I do. But I was just thinking uh, about my travels in India, and I met this one man who was a whirling dervish, and he was very clearly a New Yorker, also, right? So I asked him why he became a whirling dervish, and he goes, "Well, twenty years ago, I was given six months to live." So I decided I would just go to India, become a whirling dervish, and I'm still here, whirling. <laughs> How many years later was that? I think he said 20 years 20 or something. Years later. You know? So who knows? It might still be there swirling. But he, you know, I think it, it says <laughs> something about you know lifting off that negativity. And he was unhappy with what he was doing. And he, you know, he starts <laughs> he starts dancing. He starts dancing, and what happens? He becomes young again. He becomes happy again, you know. So his life, it, t- it took a um, a wacky, wonderful uh, <laughs> shift. So yeah, I've been involved in the diamond approach for many, many years, which is which is uh, influenced by the Sufis. But I feel like we're, I think we're, we've been going on for quite a long time. So that might be the subject for another tale, for another episode. Yes. Yeah. Is there any kind of just something you want to you want to share at the end just to wrap this up? Um. I'll just say that I too traveled through India and I lived in um, Goa uh, after I left living in ashrams in India on a self-retreat. And um, that's when I witnessed my first healing miracle. And that was the miracle of an abscess the size of an egg uh, dissolve in about three minutes on somebody's cheek. abscess That was a giant goose egg. Uh, almost black, brown, blue. And then somebody had walked through the fire and had like um, third degree burns up and down their legs and all the Mm. scarring completely covering their legs Mm. and actually witnessed the the scarring dissolve in, in under five minutes. And I felt a wind and a fire and um, the elementals moved through my body and I started to cry and I felt the power come through me. And that was after my awakening in 1992 in India. And I'd love to do an episode about awakening mm. and the experiences during awakening, because mm-hmm. I think that that's a tale that's worth telling, but we'll leave you with. Oh, that, some- could, that could be fun. Okay. So something juicy to continue to talk about. So I'd love to hear more about awakening. My favorite subject. All right. Well, I hope that your hearts are full of light, that you're feeling that diamond light uh, moving through you, that you're feeling your your light body, your diamond body, and you know you can walk through anything because in truth, you're eternal. You know, If you're eternal, you can walk through anything. This is just a little bit of a story here. And so we don't need to be in fear, do we? We can just live in merged golden love, boundless love. What would you like to add to that? Because that is reality. <laughs> Merge boundless golden love is the reality of our divine essential self. And when the veils drop, that is what you experience and see that love is the glue that holds all of existence together. The stars, the galaxies, every blade of grass, every daisy flower, the cow in the field, all of it is held together by this golden sea of pulsating eternal love. And that is who we are. That's it. 
That's it. Okay, we'll just pop awake right now. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today (laughs) on our series of Messages of Infinite Light. And so if you want to work with Mirabai, where do you go? Mirabaidevi.org or a power of love forward slash store. And I'm offering all these wonderful services for humanity to wake up. And I have all sorts of tales and treasures to discover on ankatesullivan.com. I also love the whole Celtic world. So I invite people into that. And I have something new that's going to be fun to explore called Imaginosophy. I'll talk to you more about that later. So until we meet again, may the infinite light reveal its secrets to you one miracle at a time. Many blessings. And aloha and namaste. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.